Welcome to Protecting Your Assets, the show about protecting people, property, and most importantly, protecting your ass. I'm your host, Lucky Luciano, and I'd like you to join me for a fast-paced and often fiery discussion about security issues with my co-host, Brian the Angry Man Claimer. Whether we're piercing the veil of security, talking your duty of care, or raving about the latest technology, we'll share our thoughts on the issues, the trends that are impacting security today and into the future. So grab a coffee and join us for our latest podcast every second Monday. And don't forget to like and follow us on our sponsor's website, brianclayman.com. And now let's talk about protecting your assets. Hello, folks, and welcome to Protecting Your Assets, uh, Episode 8. And uh, yes, before we get into it, I'm going to apologize for all the sound issues we've had over the last few episodes. Uh, We are learning as we go here and continue to make improvements. The good thing is you're complaining about it, so I guess somebody's listening, and that's a good thing, uh, I would say. Right, Brian? Yeah, it is, but I just want to clear something up. Uh, It's nice that you apologize, that we apologize, but I got nothing to apologize for. Your only job (laughs) in this whole thing is to figure out the sound engineering, which sucks. Last week was one of the, last time was one of the best episodes we did. I think I was brilliant. You were okay, but the sound sucks. So people, I'm sorry for Luciano. It shouldn't happen again. Well, well, you've, you've, you've revealed my underlying motive. I, you were so good. I had to. What's it called? Compromise your 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 brilliance. <laughs> and you were brilliant in your ability to compromise. All right. Uh, so let's get into this. Hopefully, this is going to be a really good sounding episode, and I think uh, the topic is very good as well. It should be interesting. Basically, we're going to be talking about not forgetting to lock the back door, and what do we mean by that? Well, I think uh, in recent years, certainly on my end, I've seen a shift from uh, from the physical security focus. Uh, to sort of the flavor of the day, as we were talking about earlier, there, Brian, um, regarding cybersecurity, which you know justifiably has become a, a major concern. But I think we've we've overcommitted to the cyber threat at the expense of everything else, basically, and that that's a real risk. So, but before we get into it, as always, I want to give you an opportunity to introduce uh, your thoughts on what's been going on in your head over the last couple of weeks. Well, you know, I guess it's it's sort of the same old, same old every single time we uh, have this uh, segment, and it really is two things that uh, dominate the news cycle, COVID and the President of the United States. In respect to COVID, uh, the numbers are going up. They're going up rather dramatically. I, I can't believe that just a couple of weeks ago, probably two, three weeks ago, we were at the 100 level, and I think today... It came in at about the high 400s in Ontario, which was uh, surprising. And Quebec was like 800 plus uh, today. And uh, so so that doesn't bode good. So the only thing I want to say about COVID is just three things. Wear a damn mask, social distance, and wash your friggin' hands. Stop going to these car rallies in Hamilton or Wasega Beach. You know, uh, Dr... um, I forget her name now. Um, no, the other one, Toronto Public Health. Oh, she, yeah, uh, that's right. That's the one. She said <laughs> it perfectly. She says, we're not telling you not to have fun and stop living. Just do it a little bit differently. So that's what I want to say about COVID. Do what we have to do. we got to keep living. you got to have some fun. But do it at a six-foot distance. Wear a mask if you can't. Just wash your hands. You know, those people that do that will not be a Darwinian victim at the end of this. They'll be around next summer to talk about this experience. So I plan, you know, God willing, I want to be one of those folks. And the next thing is the presidential elections. I know that we've got, that we're recording this a few days 
before release, but uh, uh, we've got the the first debate coming out with Biden and President Doofus, I mean Trump, and it's going to be uh, quite the show, I think. Also, I don't know that if the president loses the election, that too, I think, is going to be quite the show. What do you think, Luke? I am looking forward to it. I've got the popcorn ready to go. I've got some drinks ready to, to be drank. Uh, because I think it's going to be one hell of a of a debate if Biden shows up. Because I, I, you know, something's telling me he might develop a sudden case of the COVID on Tuesday just before showtime. Given what I've seen of him over the last few weeks, you know, I feel for the guy. I really do. I, I I'm not a big fan of his. I'm not a fan of Trump's either. But Biden in particular just doesn't seem to be all there at times, and and I think at times he's just being propped up and basically walking right into. Uh, Trump's hands and in that debate we've all seen Trump he he's he has no class at the best of times and now he's going to bully the crap out of Biden and I don't think it's going to be uh, like I said I'm going to have the popcorn ready but it's not going to be a, a good debate beyond that I heard one of the talking heads on the Sunday uh, a circuit uh, on American TV was saying it's going to be interesting because Trump in the last four years every uh, time he's been at a rally it's been friendly faces it's been controlled access it's been his people he hasn't been jeered. He has been booed. No one has challenged him. He's been in a very uh, a sterile type environment. But what Biden has to do is he has to make sure that uh, uh, he's up for the challenge and that he's going for the jugular. The host, albeit a Fox host, is Chris Wallace. Chris Wallace, although he's a Fox uh, guy, I think Chris Wallace is a straight news person, and you couldn't have gotten a better person uh, than Chris Wallace. I prefer Chris Wallace to one of the CNN guys, yep. only in the sense that I think Chris Wallace is a journalist more than a commentator, and everyone else are commentators, and I think he'll have some credibility. So it's going to be interesting. Yep. I, th I think interesting is an understatement. <laughs> we <laughs> might see some fireworks. <laughs> we, we, yeah. So we may actually, there's probably a security plan necessary. Yeah, it's going absolutely. To, yeah. <laughs> Both cyber and physical security. So, oh, and one more thing I want to say in the news: there was that uh, Canadian woman that was arrested by the RCMP at the request of the FBI and the Secret Service that sent rice into the White House. Uh, I talked to that with about that story with my wife, who is in law enforcement, and uh, I won't say where she works, uh, but she had only one comment. <laughs> she said, "I think that person." that was arrested should get the order of canada so i guess she's not a trump supporter but it just shows no. the frustration that's out there right now yeah and she's canadian like it's crazy what uh, what effect he has on people yeah. um okay so let's get on to uh to today's topic which again is is the shift in uh cyber to cybersecurity from what has traditionally been a focused physical security approach um in past um, and so there's a lot of reasons for that. We we can go. I mean, how far back do you want to go? You could see. You could talk about any number of of cyber breaches in in some of the world's biggest corporations and how they were mismanaged, how they were um, sort of poorly prepared for it, how they tried to hide the responses. A lot of times, getting caught with uh, you know critical information or secret information getting out into the public and not willingly coming forward with that breach until it actually happened. And uh, things could have been managed a lot better. So I think. We've got a couple of issues that we can touch on. First of all, obviously, the focus on cybersecurity, is it warranted to the level that it is? Uh, we could talk about the fact that, you know, even just two, three years ago, you would never hear of a chief uh, information security officer. And now there's probably more of those positions than there are chief security officers. 
which says a lot about the shift that we're, we're talking about today. Uh, but I really think that that shift has gone overboard um, and that it's been at the expense of the physical uh, security operation because there are finite resources. The, you know, the budgets aren't unlimited, although Prime Minister Fancy Sox seems to think that, that our, our budgets are. we got a yeah. tree in the back that I keep plucking money off of, apparently. But anyway... <laughs> Uh, you know, the money has to be taken from somewhere, and it seems that all too often it's been the physical security program that suffered. Um, and largely, I think, because they think that cyber can, can, in many cases, replace that physical security. So, you know, you talk about remote guard, uh, remote monitoring instead of having a guard there. Um, but I know you, Brian, are a strong uh, believer in having the physical capacity to respond to those issues. So I'm going to open the, the, the discussion up to you now and uh, see what your thoughts are. Well, th there has been an incredible focus in the last several years, and I would say deservedly on the cyber side of the house. Uh, but I, you know, I think the reason for that is that you know, 20 years ago when I worked at Fidelity Investments, which was one of the largest financial services companies in the world, companies in the world, and they had a very sophisticated security program, both cyber and physical. They had a very simple way of looking at things, and they basically said uh, physical security and cybersecurity are connected uh, uh, at the hip because physical access drives logical access. In the days before the cloud, the thought was very simple that if you can keep the bad guy from getting into the building, then he can't tap into the network and he can't do you harm. When everything went to the cloud, there was no more bricks and mortars. All your intellectual property was out there in the open. You know, and it took companies a long time to realize that and to protect accordingly. And it took some very famous cyber breaches over the years to bring attention to that. But, you know, I had a, uh, my last job, I had, uh, uh, we did a security review and we looked at the strengths and weaknesses of our current security program. And I remember I was presenting to one of our uh, uh, C-suite uh, executives who's the senior vice president. Uh, who had ultimate oversight for the security world as well as a lot of other things that he was responsible for. And I was telling him about the opportunities to do things better on physical security. We needed better managers, better programs, consistency across our hundreds of locations across North America. And I also said, we've got to start thinking about cybersecurity because no one's looking at that. We don't have that internal expertise. And he asked me, okay, talking about budgets, if we had to focus on one, which one would it be, cyber or physical? And I said, both. He said, no, if you had to focus on one. And I said, both. And he was getting angry at me, but I was trying to make the point. I'm not, I wasn't going to make this easy for him. You can't do one at the expense of the other, because the title of this podcast today is Don't Forget to Lock the Back Door. So the analogy would be that if you had a very strong cybersecurity program in your organization, you've locked the front door. You've gotten rid of or you've secured the obvious risk. But all the bad guy has to do is walk around to the back door and come in. And, and, and that's the physical side that's left open. So I really think you can't do one at the uh, expense of the other. Yeah, and I would agree. And, and if you look at most of the breaches that have happened, it almost always comes down to a tangible issue that could have been avoided with some good traditional physical security planning, whether it be policies and procedures to control passwords, to control access to portals, to uh, you know make sure that people in rooms uh, with access to certain laptops were authorized to be there. That's all pretty basic 
security planning on the physical side of things. And then you layer in there, you know, good education programs, telling people not to click those mysterious links that come in through their emails from people that they don't know. You know, these are simple fixes that often get overlooked because, well, if we put up a firewall, then we should be okay. Why isn't that working? Well, you've created other opportunities by, by basically ignoring them. Well, yeah, and, and the bulk of cyber attacks, and I don't profess to be a cyber expert, but I did do a course once for 20 minutes, so I know a lot, I think. <laughs> but, but the bulk of cyber attacks is not some Iranian guy that is just sort of going, looking into the cloud, into outer space, and goes into your organization. It involves some knowledgeable insider. It yeah. involves some, uh, some vendor that has access, you know. What is your, your, your personnel security program? How do you validate contractors that are coming on board? What kind of background screenings are you doing? That's not a cyber thing. That's a yep. physical thing. And then again, you know, uh, bricks and mortar. I mean, your data centers, you know, even if you're not a data center, if you're just a sub-office of a bank, let's say a bank branch, there's a server room. What is that room? How is that room protected? Who has access to that room? You know, And then forget about cyber for a second. Cars still get stolen. Laptop computers still get stolen. Employees and occupants and tenants are getting beaten up or assaulted in parking garages. Your cyber program is not going to help with that. So, you know, I go back to what I said to that uh, senior executive who's a really smart guy, but he was looking at the budgets and the numbers as he should. And his point, and well taken, we don't have all the money in the world. We're not like Prime Minister Fancy Socks. We have to make some decisions. But my point also, which I hope he took it in the right vein, was I'm not going to make this easy on you. You want me to tell you that cyber is more important than physical, okay? Yeah. So if I say that, then you're going to sleep well at night saying if I put my million or two million or three million dollars into cyber, we're going to be okay. You're not. It's akin to eating healthy but smoking cigarettes. Yeah. If you want to be healthy, you've got to take a holistic approach. Eating healthy is an important part of it. But so also is not smoking cigarettes. And cyber and physical is the same type of thing. You know, it's almost like Sophie's Choice, the movie. Yep. You can't make a decision which baby you're going to save. Which you got to save both of them. Otherwise, yep. the family's in peril and the company's in peril. And I think that goes back to our last episode where we talked about security sucks and, and the need for your security professional to have the education, the knowledge, and the fortitude to bring those issues forward and let them understand exactly that, that you have to take care of both. You can't just say that one is better than, or more important than the other and then give them an out, basically, and say, oh, it's okay. The security expert told me I'm okay. I, I go back to the um, to the Iranian um, nuclear disaster. Oh, yeah, remember? Yeah, yeah, exactly, where you know Iran spent a ton of money on, on solidifying that, that research center. They had a big air, you know, they had the air gap. They had all the fancy terms. They had all the fancy firewalls. And what beat them at the end of the day was somebody going into the facility, getting in yeah. there somehow and plugging in a, a corrupted yeah. jump drive. So it goes back to your physical security program that supports the, the cyber program. You cannot have one without the other. And that's on, on that we're, we're, we're 100% agreed. But, you know, but certainly also, I think, you know, we've got to practice physical differently than the way we did it. When I started in this industry, you know, cyber was really... Uh, the extent of cyber, and I'm sort of dating myself, was an <laughs> IBM electric typewriter, okay? Oh you didn't God. have clouds. You didn't have, I, you know, I remember actually when I went to university and we we're learning, I was doing a statistics course, and we had, if you remember, or maybe you read about in the history books. Before my had, time, yeah. <laughs> they had the punch cards. And, oh, and the, 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 you know, that was before they had floppy disk type yeah. things, okay? 
So really, you have to sort of protect the punch cards, and they have to be locked in a filing cabinet so your your programs weren't compromised. So clearly, physical has changed. You know, when I started, I didn't really have to think about cyber, but now as a security leader, I have to think about what are the things that go bump in the dark? What are the things, you know, I take it back to mission statement. The mission statement tip, the words to the effect, certainly in commercial real estate, is to protect against things that will disrupt normal operations, threaten occupant safety and or asset integrity, okay? So you've got to open up your mind as a security leader, even though I'm a physical security guy. What can do that? And a bad guy can do it. Demonstrators can do it. But also a cyber breach can do it. So I have to have many hats, and I'm juggling them at the same time. And I may have to make decisions. You know, I've only got X amount of money, so this year the focus might be on cyber, a little bit for physical. Next year I'm going to catch up, but you can't forget, I think far too many executives uh, look at it in a very simplistic manner. It's just this or that. They're not looking at it in a dynamic, holistic way, and that's a real danger. And, you know, you and I have talked about, and we, I think, don't agree all the time, but it's incumbent on the security leader to push back and to have those discussions. Because i got to tell you, when I told that senior uh, uh, vice president, uh, I didn't tell him what he wanted to hear. And, you know, there was probably some jeopardy that came with that. You know, I don't know. But the point is, my job, as I see it, is to tell my uh, bosses what they want to know. Not, uh, I'm sorry. What they need to know, not right. what they want to know. And I think that's why we need security managers and leaders that have the confidence, have the knowledge, the skill set, and the acumen to do that in a positive way, but be prepared to take the follow-up that may come and will come sometimes. Yeah, and that, that's a good uh, segue into into a thought that came to mind as you were talking there regarding the ownership of the cyber program, which has also sort of been tossed back and forth between physical security and uh, IT, IT departments. Um, and in my experience, IT, well, it's just like anything else. IT is not, they're an expert in delivery service. That's their focus. And I have a lot of friends who work in, uh, they work for some pretty big companies, big, name, big names that from programmers right up to marketing guys. And they all are focused on the delivery of the product. Security is an afterthought for those for those guys, and that's not a slant a slant on them. It's just that's the way they're 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 geared. That's the way their their minds think. Security is a whole different other uh, mindset. I think that bringing the cybersecurity component under IT's umbrella, which I think in the majority of times is what happens, is a disservice to the security program because they do not think the same way. And having a person with a security mindset oversee the IT piece of it. I think is, is the way to go because they're the ones who are looking for the pitfalls. They're the ones who are looking for where the gaps can develop and they're not in, impeded or biased by that non-degree. This has to be great. And so I think that that also has played into some of these challenges where, you know, it gets pushed over to the IT piece. Well, what's their priority? It's going to be service delivery. It's not going to be cybersecurity anymore. Yeah, this is going to be a boring episode because, again, <laughs> I'm agreeing with you. Because just like physical security, you know, the security VP or chief security officer, the security director is not the operations guys. The operations guys are about service delivery. Yeah. Security is about protection and sometimes going a bit slower to market right. because we got to do it right in safety. Same thing with cyber. It still exists, uh, not as much as it used to. But it used to be cybersecurity fell to the IT department. They're two different disciplines. They do touch on the technology, 
the mindset, and you said it so well, is uh, IT guys are about service delivery. How do I get, how do I, if we're in a manufacturing environment, how do I use technology to make the manufacturing process easier? The cybersecurity leader has to say, how do I make sure that uh, the technology that we use as part of the business process is protected against compromise. That's a different skill set. That's a different thought process. It's a more pragmatic, slower approach because the whole thing with technology is to do a quick, do a consistent, get it done, get it in, and move on. Security guys look at it a little bit differently. You have to take your time to get it right. Yeah. How how often have you heard? You raise your hand, you educate them on, on the pitfalls or, or the jack, uh, potential jackpot that you're putting the company into, and they just don't care. You know, the, the, the response back is, you fix it. Like, you have to figure out the solution. They don't, they don't take the security uh, approach as, um, you know, I face, face value at the same level as, say, marketing or operations. Uh, two quick examples. You talk about that great elevator platform that you know I can't stand <laughs> to save four or five seconds on an elevator ride. All the properties downtown basically adopted this thing that really didn't, at the end of the day, do anything for 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 uh, for the building. Says, okay, you you expedite service to the floors, but that's really it. My issue was that when they brought that thing out, it didn't talk to any of the access control platforms that were out there, and so companies basically willingly compromised the security of the building's floors during regular hours to to be able to track who got onto those floors. They weren't able to lock down those floors. Now, those things have all been subsequently fixed, but it was security that had to fix the issue. It wasn't like, well, let's fix the program first and keep the building secure, and then we'll integrate it. It was always security's job to figure out how to make things work. And that, to me, is, is a problem because it's just reflective of the natural approach to say it's security's a less important thing. It's something that you don't have to worry about. And so just let it slide. We'll, we'll focus on, on the customer service, the customer-facing services that everyone's going to see that's going to give us the brownie points. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny because that elevator software that you talk of, which has taken over the whole world of elevators in the last several years, one of the big selling points was that it allows you to integrate your elevators into your other building systems. But the, the sad part is security has been integrating systems for a million years before that. Yep. So all they did was they took the access control piece that was fully yep. integrated with all the other security devices yep. in the building, took it out of our inter integration uh, sphere, put it into a building sphere. So rather than integrating security with the operational aspects of the building, they segmented them and they castrated the security devices yep. because access control is the centerpiece of most security integration uh, uh, projects. And now you had the access control, which was hostage to the elevators and hostage to the security side of the fence. That was a great example of what you talked about because that was an IT-driven initiative by IT folks that didn't yep. understand security. The concept made sense, but because they didn't understand security, they broke something that was working really well and took us many years to get to the point where it, it was. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Another another good one, I you know, one uh, that that I've always uh, found interesting was this whole um, you know converged building or the the building oh, yeah. of the future concept where you yeah. drive in and. You know, you, you you drive in, your fob triggers the, the parking arm, you go in, you park, and all of a sudden the coffee maker goes on, the, the <laughs> elevator comes down and meets you. It's all great. You know, I'm not knocking it. I'd love to live in a world like that, but we're not there, no. first of all. And I think we're very far from it, despite what so-called experts will, will tell people. 
we know, I mean, some of the challenges when you have all those interconnecting parts is, okay, so they've updated their software, but all these other people, all these other players have to update their software for it to work effectively all the time. And so every time that upgrade happens, you automatically create gaps and opportunities for security breaches to, to occur. And that, that's something that just falls on deaf ears, it seems to me. Well, and I remember a discussion we had in the uh, in my last job where we were looking at having a smart building, and it looked really good, and everyone, the powers of be, were really excited by that. And the project leaders on this and the IT guys and the engineers that were pushing this were talking about, you know, wouldn't it be amazing that, as you said, you go into the parking garage, the fob knows that Luciano's in the building, and they know he's on the 14th floor, and they know he likes it air-conditioned really cold, so they turn the air-conditioning down and they unlock the door for him. They does all this stuff, and it's a beautiful service deliverable. It differentiates us or the building from the competitors. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful. I put up my hand and asked the question, okay, so what happens if Luciano has lost his key fob and now Attila the Hun, who's <laughs> trying to break in, goes in? We've now opened the gates, and Luciano is the CFO of the organization, or he has all the company secrets. How are we going to protect against that? They never thought about that. Because, again, the Internet of Things is a wonderful thing. You know, when you look at what the potential is, and I think it's important that you have operations people are looking at what's possible and dream for the impossible. But then you need the sober second thought of the yep. security people that are going to be the killjoys. They're going to say, but what about this and what about that? And only by that convergence and that discussion and taking your time and putting in the necessary countermeasures are you ready to go to market. That elevator software you talked about is a great example. You know, on paper, that uh, elevator uh, control system that has taken over the world looked fantastic. But they didn't do the what-ifs. They didn't play it out, and it caused nothing but nightmares. Mm -hmm. And it's working now with a lot of patches. It didn't have to be this painful. And that's the problem when you have IT guys also take care of cyber. And by the way, we don't need physical security anymore because we're yep. spending all this money on cyber. It looks good on paper. It may look good on budgets. It never works. Yeah, it's like having a, a nice shiny Corvette with no brakes on it. It's well, okay. It, we look good. We'll look good yeah. as we crash into the barrier. <laughs> well, listen, your job was just like my job, but I got to tell you something. You know, I, I, I had to worry about cyber stuff because I had building compromises where someone hacked into an access control system, unlocked doors, and that was a real problem. But I also had people seeing the laptops are getting beaten up in parking garages. Yep. And I'm not sure what the cybersecurity program can do for me to stop my tenant from being beaten up in the parking garage or mug. I mean, that part of security, although it may not be sexy or sophisticated, doesn't go away. It's still there. That's, that's, I guess, the, the whole point of this episode was to focus on the fact that businesses, I think, have overly reacted to that cyber threat. And I don't mean to, that, that to diminish the cyber threat. It is a huge threat. Uh, you know, the attacks, you go on any, any website, it'll show you thousands and thousands of attacks every second, uh, all across the world. So I'm not diminishing the cyber threat, but I think there really needs to be a rethink on the, on the, uh, on the business side of things as to what the cost has been to the security program. Because if you're no longer able to fulfill your mandate, we always talk about mission, um, you know, you're cutting guards because you've got to, you've got to finance the new cyber program, uh, then you really should be having a rethink in terms of what you're doing and how you're preparing for those risks. Um, and, and I'll just end it off before you, before you allow you to answer with the fact that you know, the, the approach really needs to be, as you pointed out uh, before we got on the call, 
a wholesome approach. To me, cyber should really just be another hazard, another yeah. risk, another threat that's out there, whether it be a storm or a terrorist, this is a cyber threat, but it shouldn't dictate or fully engulf the rest of the security program so that everything is focused on that threat. Because while you're looking at that, that back door, we just left it open, somebody's going to come in and kick it, kick us in the ass. You know, you know, uh, we're with me. We just completed some training with a very important client that we love a lot uh, on emergency management uh, plans and, and, and their emergency response plans. And one of the things we say is that the emergency response plan is looking at specific type of emergencies like power failures or demonstrations or cyber compromise. Okay, it is hazard specific. It's incident specific. The emergency management plan, though is an all-hazards plan. We really don't care what the attack is, okay? All we know is the threshold is met. Normal operations are no longer possible. People are threatened. We have to manage the response. Same thing with the cyber. I agree with you. I think it's a mistake to segregate cyber, and you've got a cyber security side, and you may have a physical security side, and they're not seen as equals. I think an organization needs a chief security officer, someone who's in charge of the security portfolio. And listen, what is the difference if the disruption is as a result of a cyber attack or a demonstration? It, the result is the same. Yeah. It's a disruption. If, yeah. you, if the bank gets hacked and you can't get into your account, that's a disruption to normal operations. No different than if someone uh, burns the physical bank down. That's also disruption branch down. That's also disruption. And I think by segmenting physical and cyber and making two disciplines is where the problem is. I think yeah. you need to hire smart leaders that are risk managers and then have the security program look at all the risks, cyber and physical. And I think that's the takeaway that I would encourage our clients to be looking at. And I think that's a good spot to end this episode, which I think uh, was good, straight to the point. And for most of it, you actually agreed with me, which, which is rare. So, but I, I agree uh, to our, to our uh, business leaders out there who are listening, you know, hopefully you've gotten some of those takeaways uh, to take back to your businesses and, and really think about it. If uh, your focus is, is just on that cyber breach, uh, you're, you're missing something. I can guarantee you that something, there's a hole somewhere in your program. Get somebody in who understands wholesome risk management so they can take a look at your security threat environment at all levels, at all angles, both physical, uh, cyber, tangible, intangible, um, and make sure that you're covered uh, no matter what the threat is. On all hazards approaches we talked about. Uh, so with that, I'm going to say that this is our eighth episode. We plan to do eight to sort of get to know the business, understand the technology, which we've had some struggles with. But I think we're, we're making headway. And again, the fact that we're getting uh, viewers calling or, or listeners uh, emailing us with uh, some complaints, that's great. That means people are listening and we're happy to take those complaints and we're working to resolve them. Uh, but we're looking forward to coming back in, uh, I guess, a virtual season two in probably three to four weeks, I would think, and rehash or reassess uh, all the things we've done till now and figure out how we can make season two bigger and better. Uh, but before uh, I sign off, I'm going to hand it over to Brian for any final thoughts. I think it's a good episode, this uh, this number eight. I, I think it was, and I don't want you to read into the fact that we agreed uh, that I'm changing or anything. But, you know, with my angry man, angry Brian uh, moniker, I have been going to counseling, as you suggested. And thank you for helping defer the cost of it. And I'm trying to be more agreeable. But I want something out of it. I want when we do this great work, as I think this is a good episode, 
get the sound editing done properly this time. <laughs> make sure that people can hear the good stuff. And if you have to compromise, make sure you get my voice nice and clear. Yours can be fogged out. Well, listen, you know what? I'm going to approach our sponsor, and I'm going to ask for, <laughs> oh, some, for some real money so I can do that for Oh, geez. <laughs> I think this will come back to bite me. <laughs> All right. Listen, uh, as always, it's been fun. I, I enjoy uh, having these, uh, these sessions with you. I hope our listeners do, too. Um, I encourage them to listen or keep in touch for, for the forthcoming uh, season, too. So until then, I'm going to sign off. Turn it over to Brian. Thanks, everyone. We uh, had a lot of fun with Season 1. We're looking forward to Season 2. And again, any comments, just go to brianclayman.com, hit the link to podcast, and let us know what you think. And we'll work hard at uh, listening to what you're saying and make the changes to make this more enjoyable for you. So thanks a lot for listening, and stay safe. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. That concludes this podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and will join us in a couple of weeks for our latest episode. Please remember to like and follow us on our sponsor's webpage, brianclayman.com, where you can leave us your comments and suggest topics you'd like to hear about in future episodes. Until next time, thanks for listening and don't forget to protect your assets.